Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network. And we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can reach more people. Thanks so much. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie, and we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. So today we are talking about shows and movies that we didn't watch until way later. And we're calling this episode Late to the Party. So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. So these shows have been out for a while and these movies have been out for a while, but we're going to be talking plot lines. So if you haven't seen these movies, it's going to get spoiled. We're going to talk Harry Potter. We're going to be talking some Marvel. We're going to be talking about Sanditon as well as Emily in Paris. And again, this episode is entitled Late to the Party. So these are shows and movies that we didn't get on the train for until way later. Okay, Julie. So what was the first show that you watched? The first show that I watched was Sanditon. I just jumped on it. A, because you have said how great it is. You love Jane Austen, hyped it up. And I was like, oh, I should, I should watch it. I have the downtime. I haven't finished a show in a while. Let me knock this out in one fail swoop. And I loved it. I loved the cast. Yeah. I love the cast. I love the storyline. Give me some good historical fiction. I'm in. So I think the stigma that comes with historical fiction is that they could drag. And this show did not drag at all. It jumped right to the point. It was so bingeable. There were 10 episodes, eight or 10 episodes. And I knocked it out in two days and I was hooked. So I highly recommend it just from the bingeable perspective of it. This show came out in February of 2020 like right around the start of the quarantine Mm -hmm. period. So what made you get into the show? Well, I'm a huge Jane Austen fan just through and through. And I love historical fiction, the costumes and what they wore. It's just so romantic. You know, this is Jane Austen's, the last novel she wrote before she died and it was unfinished. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. They would try to take that on. And I wasn't sure how much of the novel she had written, but she had written a good portion to be able to make a whole show out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I know there's going to be romance. I know there's going to be good banter and, and interesting, deep characters. And then there's like drama and there's all these things going on behind the scenes. And this one was like a little bit more risque for Jane Austen, which I loved. And obviously Theo James, delicious. I, I will stare at him all day, but that's just my era. And I love Jane Austen. So I'm really looking forward to season two because that was the end of the book. That's season one. Okay. So it can go in multiple directions, yeah. right? Sydney leaves. So it's like, well, what, what are we going to do now? And that's how they initially wrote it, right? The show. Oh, They're just like, it's just going to be one season, guys. We're just going to be this like awesome one hit wonder. And then, yeah, it surprisingly got renewed for season two. Yeah. The fans were really into it. And it's some, it's kind of cathartic because if you're a Jane Austen fan, you're like, we want this book to be finished. We want the story to be finished. She just gets left by Sydney and at the end of the the show and you're like, it can't end there. Right. <laughs> you know, but it did. And now after having seen Bridgerton and just like that, not that I even needed to relight the fire from that era, but you know, just the costumes and the, just the way a gentleman talks and acts and a lady and just the art of conversation. I can't get enough of that. So it was kind of nice to rewatch because when you said that you watched it, I was like, okay, I need to rewatch. And it kind of filled that, you know, Bridgerton void a little bit for me, which okay. was great. It's a super good show. I love Charlotte's character. I mean, she's young and naive, but she's also 
strong and independent and smart. Yes. She has a very independent mindset. She's very self-possessed. Like she knows who she is Mm -hmm. and she's good with that. Cause even though she's poor and she's coming to the seaside town where there's wealthy people, she is completely fine with who she is Mm -hmm. and she's a good friend. And like, she just has so much compassion and she's a really good character. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the story concept of Sanditon is that it's a seaside community that's trying to become a popular tourist attraction, building up apartments as they would dub them and hoping that folks from London will come up and treat Sanditon as their second home. Mm-hmm. So I love that concept of it. Seeing the Parker family story evolve. That was entertaining. Charlotte's friendships with the community. She's an extroverted personality that's very modest at the same time. Yeah. And I loved love that about her character. There's love triangles and the drama. And I wouldn't say I'm anti-romance. It comes to me in waves where like a good romance, like, because I'll watch The Notebook over and over and over again until I'm blue in the face. Give me a good Nicholas Sparks book. I'm all about it. So it's just interesting. T- I yeah. I know that. Okay. Yeah. I wa- I've read like at least four different Nicholas Sparks books growing up as a teenager. I have not read one. They're very cookie cutter. All of them take place in North Carolina. <laughs> Yes, it's probably just follows the typical like romance novel. It does outline. Yes, so they always end up together, sort of, unless they die together. And yeah, the, the ones that yeah, Dear John is a different take. Yeah, I've seen from the movie. movie. Oh, it's a different take than the book. Yes, like oh. in the book, he dies. Okay, he doesn't come back from the war. Spoiler alert! Sorry, guys. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's there's a lot of like themes of like lost love sort of. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So seeing this romantic uh historical fiction, I thoroughly enjoyed it and it was the historical fiction romance that we're most passionate about is Outlander. So mm-hmm. getting back in that mindset of historical fiction that's romantic, there isn't any time travel to it, but that's fine. I'm fine. It's totally fine. But they also discuss like openly discuss like racial disparities mm-hmm. with Miss Lamb. That was something that I wasn't expecting. But they also put Miss Lamb in a powerful position too, which yeah. was interesting. I had a hard time watching the sexism. I had a hard time watching how poorly women were treated. I get that it's related to the era. Well, they were property. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that just hits a nerve on so many levels but that was just the time yep that's how it was i think it's important to see the history to see how far we've come and yeah it's really annoying but like women had to survive that and make the best of it Mm -hmm. and i just really feel for them and their goal is like find a man and then you'll be right good and then i mean lamb's character she didn't she could pick any man she wanted because she was an heiress which was pretty cool right you know Right. It even showed the dangers of her picking a a guy too, Mm -hmm. like how that would not work in her favor and how dangerous it was. And I was just like, oh, well, wow. So she still doesn't hold hold a lot of power, even being an heiress. Yeah. And she needs a man to like watch over her till she's old enough. They didn't have their own agency. They weren't able to to move throughout the world freely. Okay, so Lady Denim, she now has all this power. Husband has died. She has money. She doesn't have to bend to anyone's will. Right. You know, so now it's like once you're married and then you're widowed and you have money, you actually can be in charge of your own life. But it takes, you know, all these things to happen. But even then, the way that she stressed that upon her niece, Esther Denim, Mm -hmm. and it's like, you're nothing without getting married. I earned my keep. By yeah. 
getting married and, and becoming a widow. And mm-hmm. that's how it goes. That's how it will always go. Hate to break it to you, you know, sister, like, and that was so frustrating to watch, but again, it's relative to the time. That's how so. it was. And I know, I Ugh. think, you know, Jane Austen, she was showing that like, look at she these, was. look at these disparities that are happening in our culture with women and people of color. Like this is crap, you know? Oh yeah. And then the storyline with the denim step siblings, mm-hmm. that was hard to watch. Long story short, we have the, this pair of step siblings whose parents have passed away. The stepbrother has manipulated the stepsister into loving him. She does love him dearly. She knows it's wrong, but he's manipulated her into loving him and making her think that she's nothing without him and that she'll never be anything without him. I was just like, oh God, this is hard to watch. And like codependent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it gets, it gets interesting in this, with that storyline dynamic too. Yeah. There's a lot of good different dynamics happening that kind of make you like, Ooh, and that's happening over here. And that like, there's like, you're saying it's fast paced for historical Mm -hmm. fiction. There's a lot going on. You know, you can't tear your eyes off the screen. I loved watching Theo James love that he got out of his, you know, typical genre of action movies in general and got into a historical fiction. Um, He was in Downton Abbey. Oh, that's right. He was first episode. Yes. Right, the Turkish diplomat guy. Yeah. Mr. Pamuk. In her bed. Yeah. Yep. Mr. Pamuk. Yeah. Yep. But even then, I am so irritated that he's not going to be back for season two. And I was just, I was like, I was so conflicted. And I was like, maybe I can hold out to, you know, on to hope that he might return and make it right in like season four. If I it gets that gonna, way. I think they're going to put Charlotte with Mr. Stringer. So as I was reading like updates, he's not confirmed for the new cast for the new season. What? Yeah. Oh boy. Well, we'll see what happens then. There's yeah. A bunch of, I, I saw that there's a lot of new actors and new characters. Yeah. But so I totally to... shipped them over. Oh, I know. I didn't want her with Sydney. He was a jerk. Yeah. Like I, I don't see like what his redeeming qualities were. It's like, yes, you might mean well, but you're told you're, you're a total a-hole while doing it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think she softened him up too. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Again, being like a modern woman, I'm like, you shouldn't have to like change a man to like make him suitable for a relationship. He needs to come I wholeheartedly suitable agree. for the relationship. But again, that's me being a modern woman. But anyway, I'm holding on to hope that he might return for a season four anything, whether it's a cameo, but good call with Sanditon. I approve. Season two is coming out. Do we know when? No, we know that it's in production. In production, but it's coming, guys. It is. The story that I was super late to the party to was Harry Potter. I began reading Harry Potter at the beginning of 2018. I had never seen the movies and I didn't know the plot at all, like at all. And the first book was published in 1997 and I was in middle school at the time and I was already reading like other things, just like maybe something a little bit older. You know, again, like romance was kind of my thing. So I just kind of missed it. And I also grew up in like a super strict like Christian house. So magic and witches would have like not even been allowed or on the radar, whatever. It just, it just kind of missed my age demographic. So at that time I was probably like 13. And so you're three years younger than me. So you would have mm-hmm. been 10. So it's right when you're like, Oh yeah, this is exciting for, for me. I was already kind of moving on to other things. And like Romeo and Juliet came out at that time with Leonardo DiCaprio and I was in love with him. So I completely just missed it. My sister, she eventually read it. She's like seven years younger than me. Again, I was just so much older that 
it just wasn't like an interest. I was like, oh, whatever. It's a kid's book. Back to 2018, I already owned the first book and I had bought it for Lena like a few years prior. And I'll admit like the first few chapters were super slow Mm -hmm. and put it down for a little bit. But then with like renewed vigor, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I decided to pick it back up again. And then I just tore through it. It was literally like the next chapter was like more exciting. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it was like chapter four or what, but I just tore through it. And then after the first book, I watched the first movie with Lena and I absolutely loved it. And then I repeated that process of reading the next book, then watching the movie. And I really took my time to enjoy each storyline and soak up all the details. And then just to watch an incredibly visually pleasing movie where it's like everything that was just in your head is now brought to life in the movie because they just, they just did it so well. It was so seamless and it was a really great experience to do it that way. And now I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. And I love that I was able to do the books, then the movie at my own pace because all the movies were out and I didn't have to wait for any of the books. And that was really cool because I remember my cousin Amanda telling me that she would, you know, at midnight had to wait and then get the book. And like, there was that anticipation, which is fun. Like I remember that was like the Twilight series, Yeah, but I didn't have to do that. I like ordered the (laughs) book at, I would order another book as I finished one, you know, after I would like watch the movie and then I would like, you know, do that whole process. And now I read Harry Potter to my kids every night. And like I said earlier, we're on book five. Yeah, I just became a huge fan. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I can't believe I went through so much of my life not knowing this story. And at the time that I kind of started thinking about it or when my daughter started getting into it, I was kind of like dead set on not watching it because I was writing like a, you know, fantasy fiction middle grade novel. Mm -hmm. And I did not want to be influenced I initially wrote it in 2016 and had a couple versions of it. Then I read the books. I'm like, oh, it's completely different. (laughs) So I didn't even really need to worry about it. But at the time, as I was like developing the story, I didn't want any sort of influence on my story at all whatsoever. Because I just, again, didn't know the plot. So I was like, oh, is it going to be similar to mine or whatever? But it wasn't. So it's just completely different view on things. Huge fan now, huge, mm-hmm. huge fan. And I need to see the cursed child play. That's my next thing. Yes, you do. And I want to see the studio tour in London and see all the sets. And I've definitely brainwashed all my children into loving Harry Potter. So <laughs> very late to the party. How many years is that late? That's oh, 20, like 20. Yeah. 20 years late to the party, but better late than never, I suppose. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a great fandom. And I mean, I remember when my grandma gave me the first edition set of the first, second and third books and for Christmas. And I was like, I got books for Christmas. Yay. <laughs> and they sat on my shelf collecting dust for like three years. Then my dad took me to go see the first Harry Potter movie. And I had no idea what it was about at all. I remember leaving the theater being like, that was really good. And I was just very stunned that I enjoyed it because I thought it was like a kid's movie Mm -hmm. based on what my sister was saying. And my sister and I are almost six years apart. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, whatever, you know, it gets me out of the house. That's fine. And as I was telling my dad on the way to the car, like how, how much I enjoyed it, I was like, yeah, that was really good. And he was like, well, you own all like the first three books. I was like, what? (laughs) It's like, yeah, your grandma gave them to you like a while ago. You should read those. And I was like, oh, I was a freshman in high school 
when I saw the first movie. So like two weeks later, I picked up the second book and jumped right into it and was just continuously mind blown. And I wasn't a big reader at that point. I would only read magazines like teen magazines. Oh, and wow. yeah, that was like my treat to myself that like appeased my mom when she's like, you need to read things like, please tell me you enjoy reading. Like that's, that's my, my mom force fed me Nancy Drew so hard and I just, it just wouldn't take. So I loved, I loved Nancy Drew. Yeah. You're probably <laughs> my mom's kid. Like well, I was a big reader. I was definitely a big reader. Babysitter's Club, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, like all of that stuff I was reading. Yeah. Every day my mom lived for Nancy Drew and I just couldn't get into it. So when I picked up the second Harry Potter book, my mom's like, I tried so hard. And then your grandma goes and gets you Harry Potter and you just took to it like a duck to water. Dang it. So, but she in the long run saw how much I loved reading because of it. And mm-hmm. she was like, you know what? I can't complain. My kid's reading. That's all I need. That's all I need. I've won this parenting battle of my kid now reading and enjoying reading for that matter. So this is why I love book to screen adaptations because it does kind of inspire kids to read. Sometimes if there's mm-hmm. a really good story and you see it, then you read. And the same kind of thing I've used with Lena, where she'll like love a movie like Twilight, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't like to, you know, read that often or kind of, I don't know, she kind of just can't her attention span to a book. She's just doesn't want to do it. But then if she sees a movie she loves and then she'll read the book of that movie, it, it keeps her more intrigued and it keeps her reading. And she like finished, that was like the biggest book she's ever finished. And I've done that with right. like five feet apart. And there's some other, you know, book to screen adaptations that she has read. And now she's reading like these fun, like romantic comedy novels, like beach reads and stuff that are at Barnes and Noble. And she's just like reading all the time. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Do it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so. absolutely. Absolutely. And it's very daunting, but when you get through it, you're like, I did that. I remember that after I read the second Harry Potter book and wanting to jump into the next one. So, yeah, I grew up, we weren't allowed to watch TV, really. It was a very strict household. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I had to do was books. And then I would oh. also write and make stories uh, because we just weren't allowed to watch TV. So I didn't, you know, it's like board games or books or writing or something like that was it. So books were like my way of going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I loved getting lost in a book and I still do. It's probably one of like the greatest loves of my life is just reading and, and going somewhere in a book. So, and I love that Harry Potter has done that for me and my kids and just that they, that's what they expect to hear every night. Yeah. Yeah. That being read to them. Like my son actually has a harder time going to sleep. If I don't read that, I have to to bring it on vacation too, like, and to read it to him. And he's just out like a light. Great. So, okay. As we just announced season two of Emily in Paris, I do have to own up to this fact that I was incredibly late to the game on Emily in Paris and I have reasons. So hear me out. I watched the trailer for Emily in Paris and immediately thought this was for a younger demographic. And that's what turned me off. And I was just like, okay, well, Whatever's just not my, maybe it's not my cup of tea. We'll see. And I did not watch it till two weeks ago. And it was because I, it was on the heels of Sanditon. And I, I know in one of our, like our first few episodes, you raved about it Mm -hmm. as far as like our Droughtlander edition. Yeah. And I was like, really? Uh." And I still put it off up until a couple of weeks ago 
on the heels of Sanditon, I was like, okay, I got through Sanditon super quick. What's another bingeable show? And you said Emily in Paris. And I was like, all right, I'm kind of in a romantic mode. I can watch this. I can do it. I'll be fine. And I tore through that one quick too. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of fun things that were very enjoyable about this show, not just bingeable. So it's basically sex in the city meets Paris with a late twenties, early thirties age demographic. It's and very fun. It's such a fun show. It's so much fun. I was in Paris uh, right before the shutdown, like a few months before the shutdown. And I remember Paris being super busy. I'm not saying it was hard to enjoy, but as I was watching these episodes and just seeing every day looked like a beautiful, lazy Sunday mm-hmm. as they were walking past these cafes. And I was like, I do not remember this about Paris. What side of town were they filming this in? And I could identify certain spots and takes, but I was just like, oh, if I ever go back, like I need to visit this side of Paris because it was so just very relaxed, very, nobody was in a rush for anything. And in traditional Parisian manner, they do start there. Like we have our nine to five work weeks. Mm -hmm. Their nine to fives really start at like 10, 30, 11 ish. And then they work into the night because the night is when everybody really enjoys themselves. So we have happy hour here from like five to six. The evening in Paris is when everybody's like really enjoying themselves. Yeah, there's a huge nightlife there. It is. Absolutely. So, but I love the cast. I loved Emily's character and not just from like her career standpoint where she's into marketing because I'm also into marketing, but I was like vicariously living through her mindset as she was doing the doing her job in Paris. And I was like, yeah, no, I would have marketed it that way too. That's a good thought. Like, she's a very smart, resilient girl. The way her boss in, in this show like constantly beats her, her personality and she bounces back 10 times over. Like I was so impressed with how she came back with a positive attitude every time and was just very determined. Yeah. She's unflappable. Yeah. And has a lot of gumption and, you know, self-agency and she knows who she is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So also loved Lucas Bravo. He's delicious. Where has this guy been? Well, he's, he's been on Netflix for like a year and you just, right. But why here? I know, but why haven't we seen him in anything else? Or is it just French films? Like I'm willing to learn more French just to be on board with Lucas Bravo here. Yeah. I think it's been primarily French films that he has been in, but Mm -hmm. by God, thank you, Darren Starr, for casting this guy in this film. He's just, I would accidentally keep kissing him too. Yes. And he had some really good comedic one-liners and his facial expressions. I was just, I was like, okay, I see you. Like, I want to see you in more things. Like, let us know. I will follow you on Instagram, sir. Like, get me excited, like for new projects. So another fandom that I was kind of late to the party to is Marvel. So with Marvel, I had seen movies here and there, but never in order and had no idea that there was a continuous storyline. I read DC comics growing up. I mean, I did also read X-Men, but never, never Marvel, Captain America, Iron Man comics. We were going to be doing some Marvel episodes and we're like, you need to watch these or you need to watch (laughs) this one. Or I had to watch one, but then I was like, I don't who is this person? What is this? And you're like, 
did you, have you seen this movie? And some of the films I had seen, but it had been so long. Like I saw Captain America, the first Avenger and Iron Man back when they came out. So in 2008, I saw Iron Man and what it was at 2010, I saw Captain America at some point, but just one-offs. Like I would just watch them and didn't realize something was going to eventually become connected. So that when you had me watch Winter Soldier and I was like, who's this guy? And you're like, you don't know who this is. And Lena was like, so ashamed of me. She's like, mom, you said you'd seen these movies. I'm like, I have mom brain. I can't remember things. I don't know who this person is. So rewatching them from the beginning in order, I was really able to connect with the characters and follow along with the storyline. It was, it was such a deeper and more satisfying viewing experience. Mm -hmm. And I had just really had just lost track of these movies after they premiered, like, over a decade ago, I just was like, okay, well, that was a movie. And I think a lot of people do actually just watch them one at a time and they don't necessarily watch them in order. Like my husband, he's like, I don't know the story. I just watch them when they come out and view it as like a kind of standalone movie. A lot of people do that. And if you don't know the storyline, sometimes these things come out in a different order, right? So they're not even in chronological (laughs) order. So it's like confusing. You're like, wait, when, when is this? What, you know, and it's confusing. So unless you go into it, unless you're already a super fan, but if you're going into it and you don't have any concept of the storyline, you're going to kind of get lost. And then if I don't understand the storyline, I, I lose interest if I can't follow along with what's happening and when and why or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think my interest at the time, you know, I was like a young single mom. There was not a whole lot of downtime or leisure time to really keep up my, my, my focuses were just elsewhere. Right. And, um, so this past summer, Lena and I watched all the movies in order and she's a huge fan, which made it super fun for me because she knows all like the funny lines and like the relationships and the characters. And, and I'm, I'm happy to report that I now have a huge crush on my favorite Marvel Bay Bucky. Oh, yeah. Love me some Sebastian Stan <laughs> so much. I even made like a really funny TikTok about it, people. So go to the Fangirls podcast on TikTok and watch that funny video <laughs> because you will fall in love with Sebastian Stan after watching that too. Absolutely. But all in all, I think, you know, being late to the party, it's kind of fun. Don't you think you're like, oh, I've been missing this my whole life. This is so fun, you know, and it's just another thing to kind of fall in love with and get excited about. It is. I mean, I didn't realize when you mentioned Sanditon being a Jane Austen book, never read anything remotely close to Jane Austen. Yeah. This is interesting. And then knowing that I just like binged it and I was like, look at me enjoying English literature or slash the adaptation to screen. I was like, I'm so well-rounded guys. (laughs) So it was fun. It was fun. I did enjoy it. And Yeah, just knowing that season two of Emily in Paris is right around the corner for Christmas. I was like, yes, please bring it. Yeah, I hope she accidentally keeps kissing Gabrielle. I Mm -hmm. wonder why he was like not in the trailer, though. The focus was the three girls in the trailer. I think they started with going on a vacation, probably. Okay. But he's going to be in it. He's in it. Oh, he is. Absolutely. And I was like, come on, sir. I think they went to like Monaco or something. Yes, like a vacation or Saint-Tropez or some other place where they speak French. Yes. And, um, you know, showing where the, you know, French influences, Mm -hmm. but it looks really good. The outfits look really pretty. So pretty. So for me is like eating a cupcake. It's decadent. It's delicious. And I'm like, I love cupcakes, you know? (laughs) So very excited about that. And now it is time for the fangirl spotlight of the week. 
Fangirl Spotlight of the Week goes to our Etsy store. Our shop has a variety of original custom-made fandom-inspired artwork in the digital download form. We are offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. The link to our store and all the info will be in the show notes. And another thing about this store is all of these are original designs. So these are all things that came from inspiration from our favorite fandoms that we created. And mm-hmm. we had a hard time finding fandom themed gear and shirts and bags and things that we'd actually carry around that didn't look tacky. So our designs are just such a fresh take on these different fandoms. And Julie, you've been carrying around which oh, bag the Lolly Brock bag. The Lolly Brock one. Yeah, it's super cute. It's the blade and the bow for me, folks. Yeah, the blade and the bow. <laughs> and they're just like simple designs, like you know, stuff that you would want, you can print them. You can put them on a bag. You can put it on a shirt. You can put it on a mug. We had one customer. She had a machine that can burn it, etch it into wood. She called it a, a shelf sit, which it's just this little plaque that like can sit on your kitchen counter. And it was beautiful. She did our Fraser's Ridge design and it's super cute. So you guys check it out. This store, primarily we use this funding to support our podcast. So by purchasing from the Fangirls podcast on Etsy, you are helping support us so that we can keep bringing you more episodes. And the holidays are right around the corner. So these are fun fandom gifts that you can give to anyone or any of your friends who are into fun fandoms. Yeah. I mean, and personalizing a gift like that is, I mean, it's just shows so much like thought and care going into things. And yeah, and we're happy to customize things too. So if you have an idea or you want your name in this design, let me know because I'm the one that's kind of putting the designs together and I can add that in. Just message us and we can see what we can do. So it's etsy.com backslash shop backslash the fangirls podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes. We want to answer your burning questions. So give us a follow on Instagram at the fangirls podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you next time. See you next time. Ready for that disclaimer? I'm ready. Drop it like it's hot. All right. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. Netflix, any of the Netflix shows, Marvel, J.K. Rowling's The Wizarding World, the Harry Potter franchise, PBS, Masterpiece Theater, Sanditon, Amazon, Disney Plus, or Apple Plus. Boom. Boom. Done. We did it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.